Hello everyone, Mike Arendt here, the Soul Mechanic, and I'm welcoming you to another episode of Men on Fire, the 5-Minute Message. Hey, one more thing before we get going. Are you feeling stressed, anxious, or frustrated these days? If you are, and you'd like a little help, go to calendly.com forward slash soul mechanic booking and book a 15-minute clarity call with me absolutely free. That's Calendly, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com forward slash soul mechanic hyphen booking. Also, if you're looking for an accomplished public speaker to speak in person or virtually at your next event or meeting, I can help you out there too. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome, 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 welcome to another edition of Men on Fire, the five-minute message here on Soul Mechanic Radio. In today's episode, I'm going to read you an excerpt from a book. It's called Communion with God, written by Neil Donald Walsh. If you have not read it, I would suggest maybe you pick it up. If you have read it, kudos to you. I know it has changed my life beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I'd like to present some of the material in it to you, and it's based upon 10 illusions of humans. So illusions that we hold, uh, that we try to use to sort through our lives. Now, of course, just by the title, the illusions, these aren't true, but they're things and behaviors that we do as humans that, you know, actually make us have a more difficult life. So if we knew something about these illusions, we could possibly do something about them and enjoy life much, much more. Now, the title of the book is called Communion with God. And throughout uh, what I'll read to you, he does use the word God. And again, that's just a label. And you can replace that word with anything you'd like to do. Um, It's not... uh, you know, just some white-bearded guy up in the clouds. So it it is, you know, the source, energy, the universe, Yahweh, God, whatever you want to call that, it's okay. So you can substitute that in there. I will read it as printed. And once again, I'm going to read you an excerpt now from Communion with God by Neil Donald Walsh. We are born into a hostile world, run by a God who has things he wants us to do and things he wants us not to do, and will punish us with everlasting torture if we don't get the two right. Our first experience in life is separation from our mother, the source of our life. This creates a context for our entire reality, which we experience as one of the separation from the source of all life. We are not only separate from all life, but from everything else in life. Everything that exists, exists separate from us, and we are separate from everything else that exists. We do not want it in this way, but this is the way it is. We wish it were otherwise, and indeed, we strive for it to be otherwise. We seek to experience oneness again with all things, and especially with each other. We may not know why exactly, yet it seems almost instinctual. It feels like the natural thing to do. 
The only problem is, there does not seem to be enough of the other to satisfy us. No matter what the other thing is that we want, we cannot seem to get enough of it. We cannot get enough love. We cannot get enough time. We cannot get enough money. We cannot get enough of whatever it is we think we need in order to be happy and fulfilled. The moment we think that we have enough, we decide that we want more. Since there is not enough of whatever it is we think we need to be happy, we must do stuff to get as much as we can. Things are required of us in exchange for everything, from God's love to the natural bounty of life. Simply being alive is not enough. Therefore, we, like all of life, are not enough. Because just being isn't sufficient. The competition begins. If there's not enough out there, we have to compete for what's there. We have to compete for everything, including God. This competition is tough. It is about our very survival. In this contest, only the fittest survive. And to the victor will go all the spoils. If we lose, we live a hell on earth. And after we die, if we are losers in the competition for God, we experience hell again, this time forever. Death was actually created by God because our forebears made the wrong choices. Adam and Eve had everlasting life in the Garden of Eden, but then Eve ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil. And she and Adam were driven from the garden by an angry God. This God sentenced them and all their progeny forevermore to death as the first punishment. Henceforth, life in the body would be limited and no longer everlasting. And so would be stuff of life. I'm going to stop here quickly and just remind you that this is a little bit of a parody that uh, Neil Donald Walsh has noticed the way that cultural societies over hundreds and thousands of years have built up the, these beliefs. And almost all of us have come to believe most of what I've already read you. And there's more. Yet God will give us back our everlasting life if we ever again break his rules. God's love is unconditional. It is only God's rewards, which are not. God loves us even as he condemns us to everlasting damnation. It hurts him more than it hurts us, because he really wants us to return home. But he can't do anything about it if we misbehave. The choice is ours. The trick is, therefore, not to misbehave. We need to have a good life. We must strive to do so. In order to do so, we have to know the truth about what God wants and does not want from us. We cannot please God and we cannot avoid defending him if we do not know right from wrong. So we have to know the truth about that. The truth is simple to understand and easy to know. All we have to do is listen to the prophets, teachers, sages, and the source and founder of our religion. If there is more than one religion and therefore more than one source and founder, then we have to make sure to pick the right one. Picking the wrong one could result in us being a loser. When we pick the right one, we are superior. We are better than the peers because we have the truth on our side. This state of being better allows us to claim most of the prizes in the contest without actually contesting them. We get to declare ourselves the winners before the competition even begins. It is out of this awareness that we give ourselves all the advantages and write our rules of life. 
in such a way that certain others find it nearly impossible to win the really big prizes. We not do this out of meanness, but simply in order to ensure that victory is ours, as rightly it should be, since it is those of our religion, of our nationality, of our race, of our gender, of our political persuasion, who know the truth, and therefore deserve to be winners. Because we deserve to win, we have a right to threaten others, go fight with them, even kill them if necessary, in order to produce this result. There may be another way to live, another thing that God has in mind, another truth, but if there is, we don't know it. In fact, it is not clear whether we are even supposed to know it. It is possible that we are not supposed to even try to know it, much less truly know and understand God. To try is presumptuous, and to declare that you have actually done so is blasphemous. God is the unknown knower, the unmoved mover, the great unseen. Therefore, we cannot know the truth that we are required to know in order to meet the conditions that we are required to meet, in order to receive the love that we are required to receive, in order to avoid the condemnation that we are seeking to avoid in order to have the everlasting life that we had before any of this actually started. Our ignorance is unfortunate, but should not be problematic. All we need to do is take what we think we do know, our cultural story, on faith and proceed accordingly. This we have tried to do, each according to his or her own beliefs, and thus we have produced the life that we are now living and the reality, reality on earth that we are creating. So, you can see that that story kind of relates to many of our basic beliefs that we've been passed down to us from, from uh, parents and peers and, and on and on and on for thousands of years. And it's, this is how the most of the human race has constructed things. Um, you know, there's some minor variations, but, you know, most of us either live or justify our choices and rationalize the outcomes just by what that story has contained. And now some of you don't ex uh, accept all of this, and that's, that's absolutely fine. All of you accept some of it, I'm sure. And you accept those statements as the operating reality, not because they reflect your innermost wisdom, but because someone else has told you that they are true and at some level you have had to make yourself believe them but this is called make-believe in every five-minute message coming up there's ten different illusions and I'm gonna go over one starting on next week's episode so thank you so much for tuning in the men on fire the five-minute message take care and bye for now Hey, do you think three words can change your life? Well, I know they can. Whether you want to leave a dead-end job or conquer addiction, heal a relationship, master your finances, or grow a business, the three words you need are, you're the one. That's right, you are definitely the one. How do I know? Because I'm the one too. And those three words have changed my life. It's the title of my new trilogy of books, and the first two are available right now at micaren.com.
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As always, keep what feels good and dump what doesn't. And remember, live without judgment, give without expectation, and love for no reason. Follow those three simple expressions and you'll be well on your way to an inspirational, intentional, and successful life. Until next time, you're the one. Oh,